I always wonder, what does one say when we get to the sermon on Palm Sunday? This day begins in triumph and ends in utter loneliness and desertion. The crowd that spreads branches at Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem gives way to a crowd that demands the release of Barabbas instead. The disciples, who follow Jesus' instructions willingly on the way into the city, can't stay awake by the time we get to the scene in the garden. By the end of the reading, the disciples seem to have vanished into thin air. Peter denies outright even knowing Jesus, the same disciple who just chapters earlier proclaims him as the Messiah and who just a few hours before declares his undying loyalty. Even the women who remain with him until the end in Luke watch on from a distance. Palm Sunday may be a day that starts in celebration, but it ends in the loneliness of the cross. In truth, this rejection of Jesus that we see in the Passion narrative is nothing new. It's been there throughout the Gospel of Luke. William Carter writes, There is nothing violent about Jesus, yet there is something about him that people resist and wish to eliminate. We cannot single out Empire or Sanhedrin for blame. There has been something that people have resisted from the very beginning. When Jesus spoke to his hometown crowd in Nazareth about God's love for those outside Israel, they drove him out of town into the brow of the hill where they planned to hurl him over the edge. When Jesus healed the withered hand of a man in the synagogue, Luke tells us that the Pharisees and scribes were filled with fury and started to plot what harm they could do to him. When Jesus drove the demons out of a possessed man and into a herd of swine, and the swine ran down the steep bank and into the lake and all drowned, all the people in the surrounding country of the Gerasenes were seized with great fear. They asked Jesus to leave them and their country. The event may have been a spectacular display of power and healing, but it disrupted their comfort zone too much. Being in the presence of Jesus was more than they could bear. Even the disciples found themselves uncomfortable at times in his presence. When Jesus told the disciples that he would be betrayed into human hands and they couldn't understand what that meant, we're told by Luke that they were too afraid to ask Jesus. When confronted with the person of Jesus, There is something about him that makes the people who come face to face with him in the Gospels, and maybe us too, uncomfortable. Is it that Jesus calls us to change the way we live? No matter how much we may pride ourselves on being adventurous, change doesn't come easy to us humans. We have a certain innate fear of the unknown. Or is it that we, like the Pharisees, are afraid of the political and social ramifications that will ensue if we embrace Jesus? After all, the Pharisees had a right to be worried when Jesus entered Jerusalem the way he did. In the Hebrew scriptures, the Messiah is pictured riding on a colt into Jerusalem, triumphant and victorious. Apparently, at least some people in the crowd made the connection between that messianic image and what Jesus himself is doing. They spread out their cloaks and loudly proclaimed, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. 
No wonder the Pharisees told Jesus to make his followers quiet down. The Roman government always stepped up its military presence in Jerusalem during Jewish festivals. It didn't take a rocket scientist to know that if things continued on this course, there would be a clash of power structures. Jesus' kingdom was subversive then, and if we embrace the way of Jesus in all its truth, it is subversive today as well. It can upset our modern systems built on mass consumption, on the belief that might makes right, and on the unending attempt to wall ourselves off from the needs and claims of others. Start to question these things, and society responds with an all-out 24-hour news channel assault, at the very least. Maybe this is what makes us uncomfortable. Or is it that in Jesus we come face to face with a perfect love. There are many things that we call love in today's world. And I do believe that our love, no matter how imperfect, still participates in the divine love God has for this world. But when we see Jesus looking at us from the cross, we see this perfect love, a love that acts without fear, a love stronger than any wrong committed against it, a love that endures even in the midst of absolute desertion, a love that empties itself completely to make room for us. The truth of that love can be difficult to bear. It's enough to make us nervous. Let's face it, perhaps for all of these reasons, a walk through Holy Week can be unsettling. We end up left with such questions as, What would it look like for me to empty myself and be filled with that kind of love? What would it look like for this congregation to empty itself in love? Where are our Jerusalems? And what are the crosses we're called to bear? What are the oppressive systems we participate in? And what are the ones we're called to confront? Yes, to truly walk with Jesus through Holy Week can make us uncomfortable. And yet we do it year after year. Why? Well, because we know that if we walk with Jesus all the way, we find this way of the cross to be none other than the way of life.